Star Wars 7x7 episode 1,382 today. Why didn't Rey kill Kylo Ren when she had the chance? Punch it, Chewie. Hello, everybody. I'm Greg Proops. You may know me as Fode from The Phantom Menace. And you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. I love you, Alan. Hey, Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod, and this is Star Wars 7x7. So, we are getting back to the last Jedi novelization and all the things that we learned that enhance our viewing of The Last Jedi. We've done all the talk about Solo this past week with all the new reveals that came out thanks to the trailer and the toy reveals and whatnot, so now let's go finish the job on The Last Jedi. And I have to say, one of the questions that you know, we all should have been asking ourselves was never really answered and nobody was really asking it either. And I think we were all just jumping to a conclusion or making an assumption about it, which is why Ray didn't kill Kylo Ren when she had the chance. And the answer that I think we've all been thinking about is just, well, she's a good guy. You know, you've got a defenseless villain. You don't kill him. Like, that's just not the way that heroes work. But be that as it may, there's more to the story than that. So just to refresh you, of course, when Rey and Kylo Ren were having their force fight over the Luke Skywalker lightsaber and it broke in half and the kyber crystal sheared apart and exploded and blew them both backwards. Well, Rey woke up first and rather than kill Kylo Ren, she took a shuttle and beat feet and headed off to Crate or at least headed off nearby Crate so that way she could be picked up by Chewie and the Millennium Falcon. And General Hux went to the throne room, of course, and thought about killing Kylo Ren, but ultimately wasn't quick enough about it. And Kylo woke up to find General Hux standing over him, scratching his side awkwardly. For some reason, Kylo does not know that General Hux was thinking about killing him, at least not according to the novelization. Didn't realize it. But... Be that as it may, he, of course, tells the lie to Hux that Rey killed Snoke and took off and whatnot. And as he's getting his bearings and thinking about the fact that Rey had the opportunity to kill him and did not, he thinks to himself that this is almost as if she cared for him and that it's a very foolish decision to either care for him or to not kill him or some combination thereof. So it's a rather interesting point of view on the whole situation. You know, he didn't come to a conclusion that, oh, maybe she's just nice or that's what good guys do. They don't kill people when they're defenseless or anything like that. No, he actually thinks that she is harboring some sort of care for him and what that care is, what level that exists at, whether it's a, you know, brotherly, sisterly love, not literally, right? Just, you know, in the agape sense versus the eros sense of romantic love, okay? You know, whatever kind of feeling it is, like that there is some sort of emotional connection between the two of them, and that is the reason why she didn't kill him. Of course, that isn't the case at all, according to Ray. So we get time with Ray while she's hanging out on Snoke's little shuttle and waiting for the Millennium Falcon to pick her up. And she's reflecting on the fact that she stood over Kylo Ren while he was unconscious and thought about getting his lightsaber and killing him and being done with it and about how many lives that could possibly save. So certainly the thought occurred to her. But the reason why she did not kill him is because she was not going to make the same mistake that Luke Skywalker did. The mistake being that his future was predetermined. In other words, that he was not redeemable from the dark side of the Force. She is, A, gambling on the possibility that he can be redeemed. That's number one. Number two, the fact that she had seen some version of the future 
she doesn't necessarily know what to do with that. And she is starting to realize that the version of the future that she might be seeing might be one that she's just hoping will come about, but it's not necessarily the one that's actually going to happen. So the whole monologue or internal monologue that Snoke had gotten into about how dangerous it was to try to interpret the future and how many people had died because they had misinterpreted the future, that seems to be a thing resonating with Ray now as well. And, you know, when you think back on the statement that was made about how Kylo Ren sort of unlocked things in Rey in terms of force abilities when he did the mind probe and she was able to fight back and resist and to get in his mind, well, she wasn't able to resist Snoke in the same way when he mind probed her. But maybe there is some after effect where some of Snoke's knowledge of the force is seeping into Rey or seeped into Rey as a result of him rifling through all the various corners of her brain while he was trying to find out where Luke Skywalker was. And so this awareness that the future is not something to be ultimately trusted when you're looking at the force because you don't know, you don't know what you're bringing into it itself. That may be something that she possibly took from Snoke. It isn't clear in the novel. It doesn't say so. But I think that's certainly a possibility to consider that she might have absorbed some of that knowledge from Snoke. And as if all of that wasn't enough, there's one more thing, which is that she realizes the force itself, and this would be the cosmic force, the one with its own will and its own intention, isn't done with Kylo Ren yet. And so she realizes that it is not her right to take him off the board. If the Force has some work for Kylo Ren to still achieve in this galaxy, be it for good or for ill, then it's not her place to interfere with the will of the Force, and therefore she has to leave him be. It's kind of like the lesson that Luke was trying to teach her in that deleted scene about the um, the caretakers of the island and the ravagers that were coming to possibly pillage the caretaker's village, but really it was a bunch of uh, <laughs> men coming back to visit the caretakers and bring all of their spoils from the sea back to them and share them because it was their wives and families and whatnot. But Ray seems to have taken the lesson to heart somehow that Luke was trying to teach her, which is that maybe there are some situations in which she's not supposed to interfere because the Force is supposed to work through those situations and it's not always working through her directly. It has other ways and means of acting in the galaxy. All right, I'm going to take a quick break, and then in and around this part of the novel, there are a couple of little extra tidbits that might be of interest to you, and we'll talk about those after the break. Stay tuned. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Want a free copy of The Last Jedi in 4K UHD HDR with Dolby Atmos and Dolby Vision? It's the highest quality you can possibly watch The Last Jedi at, courtesy of Voodoo. And starting Friday, March 16th, I'm giving away those 10 to the first 10 people who become patrons of the podcast at the $5.01 level or higher. And if you join at the 1138 level or higher, I'll throw in a free copy of The Force Awakens Trivia Book 2. Go to patreon.com slash sw7x7 to support the show and get your free copy of The Last Jedi. Again, that's patreon.com slash sw7x7. Welcome back. All right, so a couple of other little tidbits. The novel tells us that 
after the destructive maneuver by Admiral Holdo that there were clouds of escape pods around the Supremacy and presumably from the other Star Destroyers that were decimated in its wake and that comm traffic was crackling all over the place and so that was creating an additional bit of chaos and making it more difficult for the First Order to get its bearings back and back to the task at hand which was to destroy the rest of the Resistance so there's that. And in the novel, as opposed to the movie, I thought Finn had had one of the Z6 riot batons, and that was what he was fighting Phasma with, but it's actually an executioner's axe in the novel itself. So that was an interesting little variation there. And once they were about to escape, once Finn and Rose and BB-8 were about to escape, they got on their shuttle and were taking off, and Rose asks, where are we going? And Finn replies, where we belong, which was a nice bit of resolution to their adventure there. And one last tidbit, when General Hux arrives in Snoke's throne room and sees all the carnage there, he notes that the alien navigators have fled. So those crazy robed guys that were part of the reason why the First Order was able to map all these routes through the unknown regions and whatnot, those guys that worked for Snoke, those folks are gone, nowhere to be found. We don't know if they're just somewhere else inside the Supremacy, if they are in the escape pods or what, but they have fled, and that is as much as we know about them, and that is as much as we are going to cover on this podcast. So, Thank you so much for listening, as always, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7, and hey, before you take a blind shot at a Sarlacc tentacle, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if you want to join the inner circle of fans, become a patron of the show at patreon.com SW7X7. It's not a little higher, it's Destiny Unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2018, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it!